Welcome to Behind the Cover, a Jenkins Group podcast. This week, we're joined in conversation by Sue Brescia, the author of The Year the World Stood Still. We'll talk about her incredibly powerful book documenting the first year and a half of COVID in America. For this episode, we are joined by Sue Brescia, and she wrote The Year the World Stood Still and illustrated it. So we've got a combo here. Sue, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to put the book together? It's about COVID and, you know, your journey through that time when the world stood still, as you put it. So what inspired you to start the work on the art? Or was it the, you know, the poetry and the prose first? And kind of explain a little bit of that to us. So the art really came first. When COVID first hit in January of 2020, I was let go from my position as a creative director, and I've been with the company for well over 25 years. And after I was let go and learned that they didn't plan on hiring me back, it took a few weeks for it to sink in. And then a friend of the family came to me and asked if I would do a charcoal drawing of one of her colleagues who worked at one of the healthcare facilities. She had passed from COVID. She was 52 years old. Her name was Robin Hero, and she left behind a daughter and a son, and her daughter was pregnant at the time. And, of course, you know, I had nothing else to do, and I thought what an honor it would be to capture Robin for her children. So I went on to social media to search for photos of Robin, and I found one, and I began drawing. Now, Both of my parents are oil painters and that's, you know, I've always used art as it's always been a part of my life ever since I was a young child from learning how to play guitar on my own to writing songs, to drawing pictures in high school and college. I continued drawing and also some musical endeavors. So I really didn't pick up charcoals after college. I didn't really draw much. So I was a little you know, I was a little rough around the edges as far as, you know, getting back into it. But miraculously, Robin came out beautiful. And I contacted her daughter and presented the drawing to her daughter. After witnessing the impact that the drawing had on her, I thought, what better way to honor the people in the healthcare profession, people who are working the front lines, People who are volunteering to help out, to help others during this crisis, because as you know, none of us knew about COVID and it, you know, it was a very deadly virus. So I started reaching out to other people on social media to see if they would allow me to capture their likeness and tell their story. But I really didn't tell their story until after the fact. I thought I was just going to continue drawing. You know, I ordered more charcoals. I ordered more charcoal paper and I just continued drawing and capturing those individuals. And after about 10 or 12 drawings, the idea came to mind that what if I then accompanied their drawings with their story and 
publish a book about COVID and really wanting to capture the resiliency of the human spirit and how we came together to help one another during this crisis. And so that's when the idea of publishing this book came to be. So after I realized, well, if I'm going to publish a book about COVID, I need to then go back and tell our story. So what drawings do I need in order to tell our story? Well, I needed a charcoal drawing of the virus itself to start the book off in the beginning. I captured our governor at the time, which was Gina Raimondo, who's now Secretary of Commerce, because I live in Rhode Island, but she was the face of all governors. And then I captured many local Rhode Islanders who are nurses, respiratory therapists, CNAs, doctors, people who worked the morgues, the, uh, which I called the silent heroes, because you didn't really hear much about them. But I also captured stories of such kindness, two little boys that wanted to gather masks and winter clothing and donate them, or a mother and daughter team who usually do a yearly annual coat drive that couldn't, who went around driving throughout the streets handing out socks to those people who had nothing. So there were so many great, great stories. So I methodically went from January of 2020 into about a year and a half later, capturing, you know, the the vaccine. As a matter of fact, there's a, a charcoal drawing of a nurse giving an injection to someone. There's a charcoal drawing of a scientist, National Guard, state trooper, I tried to capture everything to really tell the story, not only through the charcoal drawings, but also sharing their stories. So each charcoal drawing is accompanied by, you know, a short vignette talking about their story and our story, really, because even though I live in Rhode Island, the entire world was impacted by it. I have charcoal drawings in there of window visits. I have a Mm -hmm. charcoal drawing in there of the elderly and what they went through. So, and I kept the politics out of it, you know, because we all have an opinion. Opinions are not right or wrong. There are opinions. And I, I wanted to keep the politics out of it and focus on the love, the kindness and the resiliency of the human spirit. And after about a year and a half, which it took to draw, there's 42 drawings in the book. And each original drawing is 12 by 18. And the drawings themselves took quite a bit of time to do, like I said, basically about a year and a half. And after I realized I was going to write a book, I would give my arm a break from (laughs) drawing. And I would, you know, sit with headphones and some music and I would, you know, just write and tell their stories. And, you know, the writing came into play for me because, as I said earlier, I used to write songs over the course of my life. And I think the songwriting helped with the writing in this book. And it just, you know, it took quite a while to do. And then I researched how to self-publish a book because by the time I found a publisher, if they took the book on, it would be well past 
I didn't realize the window of opportunity. I didn't realize COVID was going to be with us for, you know, many years. So I thought the book had to be timely. So I decided to self-publish it. I did some research on self-publishing because of my career as a creative director and a graphic artist. I knew how to find printers. I found a printer in Wisconsin who printed the book for me. And that's, that's basically how it came to be. Really, if you think about it, it was happenstance because if I didn't lose my job, I wouldn't have started drawing again. I wouldn't have written the stories. I wouldn't have put the book together. And I just think it's a beautiful piece that captures our history. And, you know, so many people are buying it to pass along to their children. I met one mother who bought a few books. She was pregnant at the time, and she actually had me write a message to her soon baby girl because she was pregnant during COVID. And it's just a nice... It's good to have. I mean, it's our history. And so often we forget our history. And I felt that I needed to capture it in this beautiful way, showcasing human kindness and the resiliency that we all have during difficult times. And Sue, it's really interesting to hear that, how you kind of started down the road to doing this book. The year the world stood still won for an outstanding book of the year in 2022 in the Independent Publisher Book Awards. And one of the things that the judges did comment and appreciate was the thoughtful way of documenting what had happened, the very personal touches like you were talking about, the profiles, the drawings that came with it, how this was all a creation from you. But as you're telling the story, it's almost like you're a conduit to tell the stories of these other people. And so you mentioned that you use social media, that you're based out of Rhode Island. But, you know, how did that go about? At some point, it must have felt maybe really overwhelming, everything that was going on out there to tell all the stories. So how did you get some of these, you know, profiles or people shared with you or these, you know, like the young boys who were doing the collections, these little pieces of life that were happening as seemingly as you talked about it, and we all, those of us now, as you mentioned, as history moves on, this will be very important. But those of us who remember, it really did feel like the world was standing still and everybody was coming together in a major way, but, you know, very small, focused, very, I feel like very locally where you were because the world was so focused on one issue of COVID. And so, you know, how did you kind of find your way to these people? Yeah. So as you recall, you know, we had the shutdowns, Yes, the United States, all the countries. And so after I decided on what I was going to do, you know, I would always share the charcoal drawings with my family members and they would critique my work, (laughs) (laughs) which was great. I mean, it was, it was really fun. And then I would say, well, if you hear of anyone you know, that you think would make a great story, please let me know. And so, you know, I had my friends, my family, you know, listening and talking to people in their community. And, you know, social media, as you know, I mean, you could reach anyone anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so that was so beneficial. And so between my family and some friends and myself searching online for these stories, I found these stories. And then I was able to hunt down the person or persons to tell their story. Like, for instance, there was a grandmother and her granddaughter. I found out through uh, 
my sister, who's friends with this woman, her granddaughter wanted to go to the state house to pray for Governor Raimondo. Mm. And, you know, the grandmother kept telling her, honey, you know, that's really nice, but the governor is busy. You know, I don't think she'll have time, but the, her granddaughter insisted. And I thought it was such a great, great story. <laughs> and I found some photos from the grandmother because Governor Raimondo actually came out and oh. Liliana, who's the name of the, the girl that wanted to pray for Governor Raimondo, she came with a box of donuts oh. and <laughs> she move. presented the box. Yeah, <laughs> good move. She presented the box of donuts to Governor Raimondo and Liliana then followed it with a prayer. And then Governor Raimondo, in turn, prayed for Liliana. And I just thought that was so special. So I wanted to capture that and share that. And, you know, all these little human touches. And, you know, when tragedy happens and, you know, we all go through adversity, it's people that will get you through. You know, it's the love and the support of other people in your community and your circle of family and friends, even from strangers. And mm -hmm. I was able to do that through social media again. It was excellent. And then what I also did was I wanted to capture statistics because I felt that was really important to show how we came from the beginning of the pandemic into a year and a half later. So I actually, on the 15th of every month in the book, I have statistics for Rhode Island as far as how many cases, mm -hmm. how many deaths. Then I have statistics for the United States and then globally. And then as you reach the end of the book, when the vaccine was being distributed, I also included how many people were vaccinated. So I really wanted to capture as much as I could, you know, in the book. And social media was and, and the Internet was it was a huge help. And, you know, I think that's a really interesting part of the book as well is you do balance this, you know, the facts and the figures and preserve that really, but it is so personal. And so another question I had as you kind of started out the telling of how the book came to be that you were approached at first, but other people you profiled, there were other people who had passed, there were other people who, you know, were very ill. And so how was that approach, especially if the person had passed? Obviously, you handled this very much with respect and dignity and was in their beautiful tributes. But, you know, as you went through this process and really realized you were going to start documenting this, how did that conversation go with the people who weren't there to speak for themselves anymore? Yeah, there's actually a few families in the book that lost a loved one, I think three mm -hmm. altogether, because I did want to showcase that part of our history. And again, one was actually a friend of the family who lost their son, young son. Oh, and what I did was I reached out to them on the phone and I told them what I was doing. And then, you know, I asked them, I said, I would really love to capture your son and to share his story in this book. And every single one of them thought it was extremely important to do so, to share that story. And they were so touched by it. And one of the things I told everybody who's in the book is that once I'm done with this project, 
that they each received a book. I was go, you know, I, they're each going to receive the original drawing matted and framed free of charge oh. as part of my thank you for them, you know, sharing their story and allowing me the honor to capture their loved one. And so although I haven't gotten to that final step yet, unfortunately, because my goal is to have the 42 charcoal drawings matted and framed, which as you can probably, you know, understand, you know, it's expensive. And I think I've completed almost 20 of them and I'm trying to get them all done. And before I gift them to these families, I'd like to actually have an art show where the stories are next to each charcoal drawing. And, you know, people can then go through this gallery and not relive, but witness you know, the great love and and the compassion and really what we went through, because a lot of people that do get this book, I have a a charcoal drawing in there of somebody in a car and they have a sign out their window with balloons and they were joy rides or celebratory drives by homes because graduations were canceled and you couldn't have a baby shower. And so, you know, people will look through the book and go, oh my God, I forgot about that. And so I really would love to have a gallery, you know, an art show. I'm hoping, if not this year, next year, I think it'd be far enough away from what we've been through that people would be interested in in witnessing this. And then once the gallery show is, is complete, I'll gladly hand over the drawings to these family members. Well, and it's so interesting you put that because as you were saying, the picture about the car and the balloons. I too had forgotten that a friend of mine had a 40th birthday that everybody was invited by their, with their car and there was a long line of traffic outside her house in her little neighborhood. And yeah, those little moments, you're right, that as time goes by, we don't forget, but the other more maybe dramatic or, you know, maybe some of the more national Current. or international highlights yeah. overcome some of our smaller personalized ones. So that's you're probably right in saying that we're all about at that time where we could use that bit of reflection already. Yeah, and I'll tell you, when I received the the gold medal for Outstanding Book from the Independent Publishers Book Awards, I was so thrilled. And the book also won a Next Generation Indie Book Award silver medal for illustrations. And oh, excellent. Yeah, I just was so ecstatic. And then just this past year, I learned that now Secretary Romando received the book and actually placed a copy in the the diplomatic receiving room in Washington, D.C. Oh, excellent. Which was quite an honor. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey and it's been very humbling. And, and whenever I do capture somebody through art, it's such a privilege and something I take very seriously. And all of the work that I've done and continue to do, I try so desperately to capture not not only their likeness but their spirit so that when you're looking at a drawing you can actually feel that they're alive you have that talent of you and you mentioned it yourself all the um, artistic endeavors you've kind of taken on in your life and you have and definitely through this book you have shown the talent of capturing the person as well as um, telling their story in a beautiful way that's compelling with it. Um, and so you've talked about how you maybe would like to uh, get this 
all framed and put into an exhibition before eventually giving the art back. But you know, that's a very, this is a very, I would believe, um, kind of all encompassing project that you've been working on. A lot of heart and soul goes into it. Have you started to think about what might come next for you? Uh, either a new book or new art collection yeah. or anything else like that? Or is this still kind of a major part of your life? It really is still a major part of my life. However, one of the things I've thought of is doing a similar book like this, but of course it would be very time consuming. For instance, all the children or, you know, not all, but so many of the lives that have been lost to gun violence. Yes, I'd, I'd so love to do a book about that. There's, you know, a book on the elderly, a book on, you know, human rights um, and capturing that through art so that I'd have a series of books. That's, you know, in the back of my mind, I know what it entails and I know how long one charcoal drawing takes, which is typically a few weeks. And then I set it aside and I usually revisit it and always find something else that I can improve upon. And so if I were to do a similar book, you're talking another year and a half. But again, it's something that, you know, is in the back of my mind. This book, I continue to sell. I sell them when I partake in jurored art shows in the area in New England. And I'm always selling out, you know, out as far as what I bring with me. So it's and I've I've had many talks. I've thought about now turning that talk about COVID into a talk about journaling through art, be oh. it music or drawing or poetry or gardening. That's something else that I, you know, I've been thinking about. And I've been thinking about writing a children's book. So there's many ideas that I have. It's just a matter of the gift of time. Yes. So, yeah. That's great. And I will just say it's interesting that you mentioned that the first idea that came to you was documenting some of the lives lost to gun violence, the young lives lost. I was just having a conversation at dinner recently where one of the uh, people with us, sitting with us, was in New York on 9-11. Uh, her sister was with us and we talked about what that was like. But another person with us was a little younger and went to school near Marjorie Stoneman and talked about how the big impact in her life was that shooting. And while she's very aware of 9-11, she was very young. And now we've got people who COVID is the big impact for them. So I think that that's interesting that, you know, for the generation kind of preceding the children that were kind of coming of age or young during COVID, the really the precursor to that or the predecessor of major impacts has been all the gun violence. So it's interesting that yeah. you are so dialed into telling the story really of generations right now, it sounds like, and how yeah. you can use your art to really illustrate that. Yeah, I, I definitely, that's one of the things that I think is really important is the, uh, and 9-11, I mean, people who have bought this book said, oh, do you have a book on about 9-11? Mm -hmm. You know, it would be an honor to do a book like that. But gun violence is the one that really is front and center for me. But I'm, you know, thinking about who can I contact that's part of this fight that would be interested in helping me see this through fruition, because it does take time. And as you know, it takes money to publish a book. You know, yes. would, a, would a publisher be interested? 
you know, how do I go about finding a publisher? You know, so many questions. And yes, so we'll see. You know, you never know. I mean, like I said, I never knew this book was going to happen. And it did. And that next book could possibly be in my near future. Well, I think anybody who sees the book that you have here, and I have no doubt it will be seen by the right people, could definitely, I think, have a better concept of how well you can tell a story like the COVID story that has definitely elements of tragedy, but hope and community spirit and even action, community action. So I hope that we see more from you and the world would be lucky to see more of our current issues and honors for people who we've lost through your eyes, because it's a, you do an excellent job. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining us, Sue. We look forward to what might come next for you and really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to me today. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate the opportunity and you take good care. You too. Thank you, Sue. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Behind the Cover. Behind the Cover is sponsored by New Leonard Media, your guide to all your video, audiobook, and podcast needs. Visit newleonard.com for more information. Find out more about the show and our guests at behindthecoverpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Bye for now. Bye.